0: I hope everyone had a good week. I hope everyone enjoyed Halloween. Um, uh, we did Halloween up We had a Halloween party at the La Pastas, and it was the talk of the town. Uh, everyone who was anyone was there. Uh, great turnout, and as always, uh, we we party well together. I can always like count on us, and some of that is a joke. Um, but the reality is, um, if this church in its infancy, we are a we are a very young church plant. Um, uh, just making its way in the world. But when we put something together, even if it's as small as just, hey, we're going to meet at this central location. We're going to hand out some candy, and we're going to go or treating together. Uh, this group has always been really faithful just to show up and be the church. So um, I know I enjoyed it. I did not know, so I learned something new every time I pastored this church. Um, and I didn't know adults dressed up. Like, I didn't get that memo. So I show up in a sweatshirt, and I felt like a holiday or a ha- Halloween bum. Like everyone had great costumes, some greater than others, and I was just like, maybe I should at least wear the church T-shirt. Maybe that would have like given me a pastor excuse. Uh, but I had I had a lot of fun. I think um, people in the neighborhood uh, enjoyed it. So um, always my hats off. So I missed you guys. I wasn't here last week. Um, I had an opportunity to speak in a community in East Dallas where I don't actually say yes to a lot. I don't do a lot of like community events speaking anymore because uh, one. I'm your pastor, and I think it's important that the pastor shows up and teaches. Um, But two, it's just just something that hasn't really uh, been on the forefront as we've been trying to just grow this specific church. Um, But it's really good anytime you can just get in a community and just preach the gospel. So um, for those of you that knew about it and prayed for me, thank you for that. And uh, it's always good to be back. I, I was talking with my mom uh, early this week, and she was just saying, Hey, how are you doing? What can I pray over you for? Um, how, how's the sermon coming? Um, and I told her, You know what? This, this sermon particularly, and we'll walk through it, is, is a very daunting passage. It's a really challenging passage. Um, but I've gotten to the point now where I just really enjoy opening up the Word of God and studying it with the people I love. Like, I, I really do. Uh, maybe one of the most cathartic things about uh, Trinity Church is just this opportunity where we get to come together as God's sons and daughters, as, as people that we, we know and love. And we get to open up God's Word and we just to dive into it. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, for those of you that are, are new to us, uh, we have a church and decided that we're going to study through the book of Colossians. This is Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. If you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3, that's where we're going to camp out. Today, um, and this is this is some heavy stuff. This is some beautifully true passages that we're going to walk through, and, and we're going to be in uh, verses one through seventeen, which is going to be um, as far as my tenure as your lead pastor. This is going to be our biggest passage, uh, but it was meant to be taught together. It was meant to be studied together as these seventeen verses. So we're going to do it as the writer intended. Um, But it is a powerful message. It has some stopping power. It has um, some hit you where you live, hit you in the gut, call you to a better version of yourself, call you to be an imitator of Christ kind of theology where Paul and only Paul writes so well. But what's really important about this particular passage is a transitional passage, and you have to understand that before we dive in. Um, And what I mean is Paul is, is transitioning. He is connecting the beginning of the book of Colossians to the end of the book of Colossians. So the first few chapters of Colossians was really just Christology, like the study of Christ, the the preeminence of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. Christ is all we need. Christ is our Savior. Christ came, He died for us, He rose for us, and our salvation is secure in Christ. And and what Paul has really been doing in the first few chapters is building that up and, and showing the church that, hey, all you actually need is the theology of Christ. All you actually need is the true gospel of Christ. And what he is doing now is he's going to transition from that teaching to really just real world application. Paul does a really good job of saying, like, this is what Christ can do for you. Um, This is what Christ has done for you. And this is what it actually looks like in your everyday life. And the beautiful thing about scripture, the beautiful thing about the inherent word of God is he's going to hit the church of Colossae right where they live. 2,000 years ago, he's going to write the things that are plaguing them. He's going to write the things that sin is is getting in their midst and, and, and forking uh, their, their ability to grow because of what sin is doing. But it's also the exact same things that Trinity Church and, and the American church and, and people in 2018 are struggling with. And that's one of the beautiful things of, uh, of Scripture and how it's just the breath of God. That Some things that can be true 2,000 years ago can also be true Today, So this is, like I said, this is a big passage. It's a long passage. I'm, I'm going to read it out loud, and then we're going to just dive in. But there's two things I want you to be focusing on as we read through this. Um, there are the two main points of what I want you to grasp in this passage. And we're going to hit it up at the beginning, and we're going to hit it up as we close out. One, that Christ died for you. Your salvation is secure if you believe in Jesus Christ. Christ came as the Messiah. He died for you on the cross in accordance with Scriptures. He he, he was buried, and on the third day, He rose. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, your salvation is secure. And once your salvation is secure, once you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, number two is you are being sanctified throughout your life, throughout your walk. um, You are being sculpted and molded into an image closer and closer, resembling our Savior, Jesus Christ. So one, you are saved. Two, once you are saved, the Spirit is sanctifying you day in and day out. That is called progressive sanctification. That means the Spirit comes alongside you and convicts you of your sin, uh, brings you to a place of growth where you can grow into a more holy version of yourself, culminating when Christ returns. All right, so I'm already out of breath. We haven't actually started reading. I'm dealing with a, a respiratory infection that my, my son, who is just selfless, decided to give to me. Um, <laughs> like four or five days ago, he likes to like wake up and then like sneak attack you. It's not great. And... Uh, Full disclosure, I think we're in a safe place. I'm a a mouth breather. I sleep with my mouth wide open. And he woke me up like Wednesday by sneezing into my mouth. And yeah, let that sink in. It happened. It happened. And as soon as... It's like, I don't know if you can taste sickness, but I tasted sickness. Like as soon as it happened, I was like... I'm going to pay for that, and uh, I am prophetic, turns out. Uh, I've been coughing up ever since. So um, without further ado, I want you all to stay seated because I want you to open up your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's one next to you. It's also going to be behind me, and we're just going to open this through. I'm going to read it out loud, and I'm just going to dive into it. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and you are your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, whom is your life, appears, then you will also appear in his glory. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek, nor Jew, nor circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you called one body. And be thankful. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Let me pray and let us start. God, thank you for today. Thank you for... This time where we get to just come in as your sons and daughters and open your word and study your ways. God, I pray that for the next few moments that we may solely focus on your words so your glory may be known, your glory may be renowned. God, I pray that everything I teach, it is your ways and your words. God, I pray that any distraction would be stripped from us and that the Spirit would come and that the Spirit would move. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. So, uh, it's Daylight Savings Time, which is another just kick in the gut if you have kids, by the way. Um, But it also changes really the vibe of this room. We go from a sunny, upbeat thing to very much like I feel like I'm on a stage, stand-up vibe. And I, I felt it even more when I'm reading, and if I take one step this way, it's over. I can't even see the Bible. So I'm going to (laughs) stay focused. I'm going to stay right here. And mostly just for time's sake, the closer I can stay to my notes, the closer I can stay to what I would like to say a blueprint of what we should be doing, the better. The the further I linger, the longer we go. Um, And we have a ton of kids tonight. So, and I get, oh, if you want to see the looks, like they'll say, alright Tim, like I've already promised each and every one of them, like I know there's a lot on uh, the docket tonight. I'm mindful of the fact that like we have been blessed with oh so many kids love every one of them um, so we're going to dive in and we're just going to break this in all right so uh, chapter uh, three verse one if then you have been raised with christ that's really important we have to stop there we can't go further you have to understand this he is saying if right paul is saying if that's really important to get. He's saying, if you have been raised with Christ. You can also uh, uh, be translated to, if you have been saved by Christ. It's an if. He's talking to people who are believers past this point, And it's really important to get because if you think he's just talking to everyone, then the list and everything he starts putting out can really confuse what salvation is about. Right now, he's talking to people who have already trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he is saying, hey, if this is you, then the following passages pertain to you. He is not saying if you are not saved, but if somehow you stay away from all the lists of evil he puts out, that one day you will earn salvation. It has to be very clear from get-go that what he is talking about right now, he is talking to the sons and daughters of God. He is talking to the people who call Jesus their Lord. So he says, "If." Then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. He's saying, hey, if you are professing to love Jesus, if you are professing to have Jesus as your Savior, you have to seek out, you have to desire to grow, you have to have an affection for God. You have to look for the things that are above. You have to look for the things that are the glory of God, not the things of this earth. So many times we find ourselves in, in the hustle and the bustle of Tuesday and Thursday where we're not we're not in ourselves trying to think of evil things but we're just all about this earth We're all about the hustle, the bustle. We're all about closing. I didn't—I've never met a salesman until I actually started pastoring this church. It turns out you're all salesmen. And (laughs) what I usually do, like, to start up a conversation with you is, "Hey, you closing this week?" Like, I never got to use that term before um, until now. It makes me feel like super in the know. I'm not a salesman, uh, and the idea of closing is just something I've seen on TV, and it's very glamorous. But I always hit all of them and say, "Hey." Are you closing how, how, how's your week going? and a lot of times um, we find ourselves about the business of our work or our family or our wives or our children and in of it themselves there's nothing wrong with those things. those are very beautiful things those are, those are blessing God 's bestowed upon you, but they have to be looked. Through the lens of above. If you look at your wife or your kids or, or your job or whatever it is and you look at it through the lens of earth, you are absolutely just an idolater. Your wife is just going to be something that's going to be on your, your, your arm. Your, your kids are just going to be something that's going to be as a reputation of you and you're going you're gonna to try to build up them just so you look better. You're going to look at your work as what you can close because what you can get closing will ultimately end up for you being what can I get versus how can I provide. And there's a vast difference, right? Everything has to be looked at through the lens of above. We have to look through life as we are just simply an imitator of Christ. We have been called to walk in the ways of Jesus in everything we do. In all things, we look to the ways of above. I say this a lot, and it it, it means something to different people, but moderation is for cowards. And I'm not saying that you should go out and binge eat or binge drink. I'm not saying that, hear me out. I'm saying when it comes to how we live our life and how we live in accordance to the scriptures and God, all of that has to be looked at through the lens of above. It's a totality of how you live your life. And he goes on to say, you have to set your mind on those things. You have to to look and say, Christ who is is hidden. We have have been raised with Christ and we have died with Christ. And when when we say we have died with Christ, he's talking about your sinful nature. The old you, the version of you um, that is sinful, the version of you that has has sinful desires and immorality and all that kind of stuff. All of those things have died with Christ. Hear me out, though. That doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with them. I know it's easy uh, for a lot of people to think like well my life my my life in in Christ really is is culminating with salvation we push pause and now we're just waiting for him to return and that's a false theology that's not the gospel of Christ the culmination of your life is not the the point where you believed in Jesus Christ that is a huge point don't hear me wrong that is a beautiful day that is a day where eternity is now bound in heaven and you get to sit in, in, in a Utter worship with God. But that's not the pinnacle. That is the starting point where God is now going to form you into the image of His Son. There is no pause. We don't just sit around and see what we should be doing until Christ returns. No, we have work to do, and all of that work has to be done through the lens of, are we setting our mind on the things that are above? And then we move on uh, to the passage, verses 5-11. through 11. Where Paul goes, okay, if you are a follower of Christ, here's some things you have to put to death. Say, put to death. Put to death. Say, put to death.
1: Put to death. Yes,
0: I know each and every. Well, I know most of you. I know, but the ones I know, I know like your middle names. I'm going to start calling you out if you're not saying it. So, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. Walk. We used to walk in them. Talk about malice, slander, and obscene talk. Now those are some hard-hitting things, right? At the very beginning it starts with like just sexual immorality and purity and passion and covetousness. And so many times we think, okay, those are like the top-level sins. And then it goes down to more we're, like probably our, our Tuesday morning sins where we're just malice, slander, obscene talk. And what he's saying, you have to put those to death. Not because it's a checklist, and hear me out. This is this is really important for us to understand. Um, if you don't get the the equation or the or the the order and the process of what Paul's talking about, you're going to live a life that is setting yourself up for failure. If you think to become a good Christian, you have to stop doing these things, and thus you will enter in a life that God's proud of you. You've completely missed a mark. That is the gospel that Satan is trying to sell you, because Satan wants you to think that until you stop having malice or 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 Evil thoughts or obscene talking. Until you stop doing those, then God wants nothing to do with you. Here's the thing: you were born a sinner. You're going to die a sinner, and you're going to fight. You're going to fight a lot um, to try to combat those things. But the reality is, you're going to do that. You're going to, you're going to stop doing those things once you put your mind on the things that are above. You will never do it reverse. You will never say, I will be able to put my mind on the things that are above and get away from the things on the earth if I can just stop cussing. Hear me out. I want you to stop cussing, but you're only going to actually be able to change your behavior when you have the Spirit sanctifying you, when you have the Spirit working through your life. I'll be honest with you. I have a mouth like a sailor. I can't. If you just say, what's the one thing that plagues me? I have a lot of vices. I have things I should not be doing. I have things that I don't do enough of. And I have things I do too many things of. But the thing that I am most ashamed of, the, most, the thing that I, that I fall down to my knees would be really the, um, probably the obscene talk and then just the, the, the absolute, like, I can't, I can't get in front of my mouth sometimes. And it will be one of those things where like you don't really realize you're doing it until you realize, hey, the last, the last five words were, were words I would never want to say from this pulpit. And here's the reality of the life. There should be nothing I say to anyone that I should be afraid to say with behind this pulpit, which is we're trying something new. It's no longer a pulpit. It's actually just a stand. But we're trying to be a little more, you know, convasive. I don't want to be behind there. I don't want to be able to see y'all. Um, but so many times um, my mouth and my tongue get me in so much trouble. And, and, and it will never work for me to say, hey, I'm just not cuss-jarning. Every time I, I, I cuss, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a quarter in this or or I don't know if I can afford a quarter. But I, every time I cuss, I'm, I'm going to do something or I'm, I'm going to have a, a, an unobscene mouth. I'm going to try to change my behavior. You can do that for a week or a month or maybe even a year, but ultimately your sin nature will catch up with you. And if you change your behavior just for behavior's sake, you've already set yourself up for failure. The reality is how I need to say, I need to get on my knees every morning and say, God, let everything that comes out of my mouth. And my heart be glorifying to you. Because really the mouth is just a representation of where our heart is. So when Paul says put them to death, he's not saying, hey, wear a band that reminds you not to cuss, which is what this does. And actually, remind <laughs> where, like, yeah, I wasn't joking, this isn't like I mean, you really did. At some point, at some levels, y'all hired a bum, but a bum that loves y'all so much. <laughs> um, He's saying, no, get on your knees in supplication and say, I want to see people like you see people. Because if I see people how you see people, I'm not cussing you out. If I see people like you see people, I'm not talking about you behind your back. I'm not running my mouth. If I see things, I see situations like you see them, I'm not going to that website. I'm not doing that. I'm not talking to her or him. I'm not doing this or that. Pick your sin." Now get on your knees and say, I want to put my, my ability to live my life, I want to put the way I see things, the way I interpret things, the way my heart yearns for things, I want to change it. I'm not going to, no, I'm in no longer going to try to just mark off the checks that make me a good person. I'm going to go before a creator and savior and say, make me in the image of you. Because every day, if I'm moving closer to Christ and further away from the earthly things, then this list is going to take care of themselves. When it says, you were, we were being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our Creator, every day you have to wake up and say, today is going to be a war. Right? I, I love, um, I love uh, Johnny Swim. Does anyone know who Johnny Swim is? Just me. <laughs> I got one thank you. Of course, the says no. They probably had him in their backyard. <laughs> if, if you invite Johnny Swim, you should tell me. <laughs> I, I um, so um, I, I love them. They, they're pretty eclectic, hipster-y. I love their music. I love their words. And one of the things um, that really uh, just resonates with me is one of their lines says, um, uh, The battle's won. But the war rages on, right? That, that's, that's our sin life where we say, no, sin has been conquered. Sin and death has been conquered. There is no uh, to be continued. There is no, I'm not sure how this is going to end up. Christ has conquered hell and the grave and in doing so has, has wiped sin away from eternity. That doesn't mean that we're going to wake up tomorrow and the vices that hurt us yesterday are just going to be magically gone. No, but we will be progressively sanctified. Because this is what he tells us. He says, verse 5, we said, put to death. Right? Put to death. Then Paul in verse 12 says, put on them. Or sorry, uh, yeah, put on them. He's going to say, these are the things that should fill your heart. These are the things that should fill your mind. Compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Again, you can set out every day and just do everything you can to remind yourself to be, meek, to be meek or to be patient. But at the end of it, your sinful nature will shine through. Without the help of the Spirit and without turning to our Creator, yearning to be more and more like Jesus, all of this is for nothing. Because here's the reality of sin sin, right? Um, Sin may come at us at work. Sin may come at us at TV. Sin may come at us at at a drink or a website or whatever your vice may specifically be. But for most of us, um, what gets at us is not the purely evil. It's the the -the run-of-the-mill, just ordinary stuff. So we know, hey, should we murder someone? No. Hey, should... um, we, we go down a street and, and order up a prostitute. No, that's bad. Like the, the, the cookie cutter stuff that we know to be true and wrong probably doesn't come at us on, a, on an everyday level. It's just like the TV, the work, um, this and that. And the reality is those things in and of themselves are not sinful you working hard for your work for your for your family to provide for them and to love on them to keep them secure and safe that is not simple that's actually something God's told you you need to do he's commanded you to do the reality is the sin comes in because we're the sinful problem the the work isn't the tv isn't this and that isn't it's the fact that we the sinner enter into that situation thus make it a sinful thing we are the broken thing we are uh, the thing in need of a Savior. We are in the thing in need of sanctification by the Spirit. And when, when Paul says we have to put this to death and we have to put this on, is because there's a sanctification that is going to happen through our lives once we turn ourselves to the things that are above. And then he ends in this in saying that we have to dwell in the word of God and that whatever we do, whether it be word or deed, we do everything for the Lord Jesus. We, the Lord Jesus there turns out and translates into a ruler Jesus. So um, I, I've hit y'all up with a lot of stuff, and we, we, we've walked through some pretty weighty passages, but I, I never want to leave you with just pure uh, generalities. I don't want to ever be the guy that says, hey, be a better version of yourself deuces let's pray I want to talk about ways that we can actually do that and uh, there are a few ways that aren't going to shock you but we're going to walk through them um, of how we do that and one is just according to this passage it says you have to dwell in the word of God and that's a shocker pastor I want you to read your bible more But here's the thing. And and, and it correlates with the list that Paul talks about and and where lists actually come in. Because lists in themselves aren't a bad thing. Checklists aren't a bad thing. Putting yourself, having yourself standards and accountability aren't a bad thing. But you have to get it in the right order. So when, when we say read your Bible, we have to look at our Bible through the lens of trying to know our Creator and Savior more. That's the goal. The goal is not... quantity is quality. God's not calling you to get a a, a prize at the end of each year because you read through your Bible. Reading through your Bible in in a calendar year is a beautiful thing that I encourage everyone to try. But the goal is not just to see if you can somehow systematically get through Genesis to Revelations. I've done that before. I've read the Bible through two or three times. This is not like some humble brag flex. I have a point here. But I've done that before, and I would say two out of the three times, maybe even 2.5 out of the three times, I got nothing out of it. And I'm not discouraging you from doing that. I'm saying how I read things and how I'm set up to do things, I am a type A alpha male. And if you put a list in front of me, come hell or high water, it's getting accomplished. Now, did did I dwell in that scripture? Did I I suck the marrow out of that scripture? Did I let that that scripture just just reign over me throughout my life as I lived it in that year? No, I just read it because I was reading a book that I knew I needed to read. Where Paul is saying, dwell in the word of God. He's saying, let the word of God captivate your soul. Not because it is a list or a checklist that you need to do. No, it's a book that's going to help us know our God. It's going to be a book that helps us know our Savior. It's a book that's going to help the Spirit refine us and sanctify us. We're going to read the Scriptures. We're going to reign over the Scriptures because that is how we become more and more in the image of God. We, I want you to read Scriptures like we teach Scriptures. We dive into a passage. We pull out as much as we can. We try to learn the things that the Spirit is putting on our heart, and we try to apply those things. I want you to set up in your daily lives time to read the Bible, whether it be a passage or just a verse, and then let that verse just chew on you for the day. Let that verse just set into your heart and guide you. Because I promise you, if spirit fills your mind and heart, malice and obscene talk can't. Now, you can look at at sin the same way that Jesus looked at it. How How did Jesus combat sin and Satan? Through Scripture. Through Scripture. He memorized Scripture because he breathed Scripture and, and, he, and he, he, he refuted it with Scripture. He said, when things, when sin tried to come at our Savior, and, and when sin tried to attack our Savior, he put them off with Scripture. That's the same thing Paul is telling us to do right now. He's saying, Dwell in the Word of God. The Word of God will fill your heart, the will of God. The, Word of God will change your life. Another thing is just a lifestyle of communion with God, a lifestyle of prayer. Again, we go back to the list. It's easy to say, I need to pray. I'm going to put prayer on my checklist to do of everything I need to do today. And the reality is we lay down in bed and remind ourselves, oh, now we need to pray. And we start praying and we drift off and we wake up the next morning, oh, I forgot what I was praying about. That may just be what I do, but that, that is what some of us do. But that's not how you commune with God. That's not how you pray with God. You have to be in a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle that is just totally focused on communing with the one true God, where we're just just coming to the throne of God, where we're sitting at the throne of God, and we're letting Him take over. Another is just a lifestyle of gratitude. One of the main things that comes at us, which Paul actually puts in this passage, is covetousness, Right? You covet something. It's a Ten Commandment, but it's also a form of idolatry. He actually puts the word idolatry with covetness, and really all sin is idolatry. All sin is you saying, I'm going to take the thing that should be in the throne of my heart, which is Jesus, and I'm going to replace it with fill in the blank. But I will go even a level further for the American churches. We're just never content. We are never happy with what we have. Whether it be a completely realistic unhappiness, like, I'm not happy. These seven things have gone wrong today, and because of that, I'm a broken human being, and I'm continuing to feel the weight of the world on me. Or, you're just like, I have a nice car, but I want a nicer one. And there is nothing wrong um, with having a nice car, having a nice job, or having nice clothes until the second you think those clothes, car, or house actually matter about you and your salvation. Or you and your ability to your identity or or who, who you actually think or what you think is important. Now, I'm, I want my kid to drive around in the safest car I can afford. I want my kid to live in the safest neighborhood I can afford. And I want my kid to look like he's just popping fire when he goes to school. I want kids kid to be like, where did he get those? I can say it. It's from a good place. I'm not, I get so much judgment. Um, I want, like, man, where did he get that? That's what I want, right? But, and, and there's nothing, I joke, but there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things until I think that I'm identified because of what I drive, or I'm identified with where I live, or identify with how good my kid looks, or how well-behaved my kid is. That's not true. Just how good he looks. Um, that is when the covetousness takes over and the idolatry steps in. That's when Paul, uh, writing to the church of Colossae and also writing to the church of uh, Trinity uh, Church, knowing that we will deal with a discontentment that will plague humankind until God calls us home. Because the reality thing, the only thing you can actually bank on, the only thing that you can actually say this is my identity is Jesus Christ and at any point you switch Jesus Christ with anything else, you become an idolater, but you've also set yourself up for systematic failure. You have said I yearn to be identified by something that will fail me or I yearn to grasp something that will never make me happy. You can try to work your entire life, but until you are actually working through the glory of God you are wasting your time and you are setting yourself up from some form of depression you will actually work harder until you realize that the, the work has already actually been done your salvation is secure your sins have been atoned for and everything else we're looking at the things that are above and we're just trying to grow God's local church we're trying to become closer and closer to the spirit of God we're trying to be the son and daughter God has called us to be and lastly, um, the way that we live a life that we are looking for the things of above, and that we are trying to distance ourselves from the things that are on the earth, is, is biblical community. You know, the easiest way to to yearn for the things that are above, hang out with people who yearn for the things that are above. Because I promise you if you're, if you're, I don't know, if you rank your best friend or if you have a bestie, but if, if you have a group, if you have a, a squad, a posse, whatever you say, and they're yearning for the things of the earth and you're the only one yearning for the things that are above, man, you dance with the devil, you don't change the devil, the devil changes you. And so many times I can look at my life and the decisions I've made and where I've found myself And some of it is I have to own it. Some of it I just flat haven't been the man God's called me to be. And some of it, not only was I not being the man God's called me to be, I was being with people I knew He never wanted me with. And I'm not saying just isolate yourself from sinners and try to do everything through just with church friends. I want this to be your people, right? I don't want this to be your people just because I really want this church to grow. I want these to be your people because I know it's what God has for you. Biblical community is how you are going to sustain your life. Now at the same time, you've got to look out because we've been called to to preach the the, 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 the gospel of Christ to the lost world. But these need to be your people. People who call God their Savior. People who call Jesus their Savior. And people who yearn for the Spirit to captivate their lives and sanctify their lives. Those need to be your people. The people you call when you're down and out. The people that you call when you're having the best and worst day of your life need to be a child of God. And anything outside of that is you're just playing with fire. And I know some of the stuff I've said today have been pretty—I mean, pretty Sunday school, pretty uh, understandable. But some of these things I can tell are hitting people where they live. And it, in my defense, it's not me; it's Paul. But I have to preach it. That's how uh, a systematic study of a book works. We have to work line for line. And when he says you are being renewed. In the image of your creator. He means it. He says, God wants to renew you. And here's what I believe. Closing out. This, this Bible, our God, has the power to renew you. Because yeah. here's what some of you think. You don't know the depravity in my heart. And here's the truth. I don't. I don't know the specific depravity in your heart. But God did. God does. And Jesus died for it. You, you can't out the cross. And you can't be so broken you can't be used. And, and anyone that's telling you different is lying to you. Anyone that says, hey, you can't put on the new self because your old self is so bad the new self is just disgusting. you, you go, That is a lie. That is the gospel of Satan that he wants to dig into your heart and pray you never realize that actually your sins have been forgiven 2,000 years ago. And it's important that we continually remind ourselves that, yes, we have been saved. Yes, we have been atoned. Christ died in our stead, and now we identify with Christ. Where There's been substitution in, 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 the, in the need for death and sin, and there's been identification with Jesus Christ. And the second we actually believe that, that is when we look at the lens from the things that are above. And he ends with, word and deed do everything for the cause of Christ, God, I pray that's what we do tonight. not me pray over us, and then we're going to end with some more worship. God, thank you for sending Your Son that our Son our sins may be atoned for. <clears throat> God, thank you for just the ability we have to open up Your Holy Word and, and to read the truth, read the, the facts of our lives that we need to look at the, the things that are above so we can put off the things that are of this earth, God. I pray that we continuously look to put on our new selves that we let the Spirit come in our life and sanctify our life God, I pray that we never lose sight of what we're here to do and we're here to bring glory to your holy name in word and in deed. Amen.